Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. New intro, bitches! That's right, bitches, new intro! Yeah. Lexi says nothing. <laughs> Lexi's not <Wow>. impressed. <laughs> Welcome to the 65th episode of the Supernatural Occurrence Studies Podcast. So damn paranormal. Ow! Ow! Yeah, you gotta do it every time. Yow. My name is Jason Knight, You're host of the show. And with me this evening is... Oscar Specter and Lexi Raven. Yeah, bringing it to you live, street style. <laughs> Understand? Street style? Are we in the underpass or something? Yes. All right, then. So, what did you guys think of that new intro? Joe worked really hard. Joe and and Will worked really hard making us a brand new intro for the S Supernatural Current Studies podcast. Fuck. Roll with it. Roll with it. All right. What are you going to think of that? I love, love the new intro. I can make a joke, but no, it sounds really badass. Doesn't sound awesome. Yeah, I can't make a joke. Lexi, what do you think? It makes it look easy. I like like it. Yeah. I'm sure he makes it look easy. We're going to have a new uh, outro, too. Yes, and a new middle tro. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah, we got Joe did give us some good music for the uh, the break this this evening. So uh, the lights are turned down low. The drinks are flowing. (laughs) Our ceremonial candle is lit. Yeah. Let's get this show on the road. What do you say? Do you have like a a pantry full of candles? I do. (laughs) It's just an (laughs) never-ending supply of vanilla candles. I always notice that. See, I always try to set the mood when you guys come over. You know, yeah. low lights, drinks, candles. I mean, yeah, I don't need any of this, but yeah. I'm kidding. I appreciate it. Thank you. I really love the mood. Thank you. You should make a restaurant. Make a restaurant? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, do it. Um, so, uh, before we jump into the actual content of the episode, yes. what have you guys been up to? How you been? Uh, Lexi, you go first. Uh, I've been all right. You seem kind of down this evening, Lexi. What's going on? Just, you okay? Just the usual. How's your chakras? My chakras are probably really unaligned. But you just got back from having them aligned. I know. What happened? Panic, man. Panic attacks. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. 
Yeah, she's been getting some wicked panic, anxiety attacks yeah. lately, and it's been a ball. It's been a trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet. Yeah, I mean, I literally suffer zero of this, <laughs> but I suffer vicariously through her. Yes. Yeah, I could imagine. So can't be easy. And tonight's yeah. a full moon, so it's probably well, fuck extra. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not to add, you know, add to your. <laughs> That was Whatever you got wish. going on. Yeah. So we won't pick on you too much this evening. How's that? Okay. Oh, oh you're, oh, you're, you want a pillow? She wants, she wants sleepy Betty bye. You're going to put our listeners to sleep. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like 3 in the morning and I have work tomorrow. You have work on Tuesday. 4.30. It's 4.30 on Tuesday. Not tomorrow. You work I'm at 13 hours. It is. It's, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. We've been, uh, we actually recorded uh, an episode-ish for your podcast, Oscar. Yes, you did one of the segments for my m- movie podcast, another movie podcast. That's what it's called. It's, uh, we do three reviews a, a week or biweekly. So three reviews a show. Instead of just one, most people just do one. We do three bitches. Because we want to encompass a lot, you know. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't get my usual co-host to do one of them with me. And I hate doing solo casts, so I had you two on for... You two? I have a name. You two on for the, <laughs> for the review of that one. Thank you for helping me out. Yeah, You're no, welcome, it was awesome. It was babe. Fun. What was the movie we reviewed again? Mary and the Witch's Flower. Mary and the Witch's Pizza. Flower. Don't you start, Oscar? Turn your mic off. It's over there. <laughs> could you could you edit this out? I could try. <laughs> so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, I've been we've been really sick around here the past week. You guys are sick a lot. Oh I my know. gosh, I got it's, sick too. It's the kids. It's Dude, the kids. Why do you guys get sick so goddamn much? You, you get the kids healthy. You send them to school. They get sick again. They come back. They get you sick. They're like little bio terrorists running. Around. <laughs> they really are. Uh, so it's been a rough I said week. They also hemorrhage your money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wife and kids hemorrhage my money. Yeah, they do. Uh, so it's it's just been a rough week. But I did put together copious notes on what I think is a really interesting topic. No, it um, is very interesting. I like yeah. it. So before we get into the topic, I do have some housekeeping to go through. Yes, we got some new iTunes reviews. Nice. Yes, always appreciate Wait, the I can iTunes. Assume they are nice. They are nice. Okay, good. Yes, because even if they were bad, I would read them, because I did promise the listeners, if you leave us a review on iTunes, we will read them on the air. I want someone out there. a shout out. I want a real fan to listen to me right now. Uh-oh. I want you, in three shows from now, post your favorite Bob Dylan's lyrics as an iTunes review. Okay. Well, assuming they know Bob Dylan. Oh, well, good point. can figure it out. I have three weeks, to, what, to, a month and a half to figure it out. Bob Dylan. Just, just listen to Blonde on Blonde then. That's the most common one. Right? So yeah. just go from there. So there you go. As long as you give us five stars, I don't care what you write in the context. I just want to see if someone does it. You know? <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. yeah. So I always say we will read your reviews on the show if you leave them on iTunes. If you leave it on iTunes and you let us know that you've done so by either taking a screenshot of you leaving the iTunes or leave the exact same iTunes rating you send on the Facebook. Another screenshot of That's the right. If you let us know that you did it, we will send you something cool at our discretion. Right, mm-hmm. Oscar? Or we could uh, give we'll send you, you Lexi's sock. a shout-out <laughs> on the show. We could uh, you know, promote uh, your social accounts. We could pro- promote your businesses. Is it? Whatever you want us to do. But uh, we live and die on iTunes reviews, so we do have two new ones this week. Hey. 
or the past two weeks, oh, there's the sock. That means there's a barefoot on that blanket somewhere. I'm going to vomit it in my mouth. Uh, we do have from painted purple. Pam underscore Newsome. Pam underscore Newsome rated us five stars. And yes. she said, it's a great show. Love the banter between all the guys. Let me read that again because Lexi was talking. <laughs> He's tickling me. That was Not. Pam underscore Newsome. Five stars. It's a great show. Love the banter between all the guys. Yeah, I wish we had all the guys right now. Yeah, it's so we been could a while. Say, we like... almost had Dave this evening, oh, but yeah? we were just recording way too late, and he's got a <laughs> foraging tour tomorrow morning. He forges money? No, That's foraging. Bad... Oh, oh, okay. People pay him a lot of money to take him around and collect wild edibles, food. Yeah, I know. And then they go to a Michelin star winning restaurant, and that restaurant will prepare... Uh, all the food that they forage throughout the day, and it's this really great thing. So we had a foraging tour very early Sunday morning, so we couldn't make it. Joe Erie couldn't make it, uh, but he did provide us the brand-new intro, and we're going to have a brand-new outro after this episode, so make sure you listen to the end. And he gave us some bumper music as well. So Joe's here in spirit. So thank you, Pam underscore Newsom. Uh, hope to keep you entertained. Uh, our second review was from... Shriver Diver, Shriver Diver rated us five stars, and he said, check these guys out. This is a must-listen-to podcast if you are a fan of the paranormal. Love hearing the stories and would love to investigate with these guys sometime. Aaron. So check these guys out. It's a must-listen-to podcast if you're a fan of the paranormal. Love hearing the stories and would love to investigate with these guys sometime. Aaron. So Aaron, thank you for the five-star and the very awesome, kind review. Oscar, what do you think about that? I think that if uh, they realize if they were to come out with us or any expedition of paranormal explorations, uh, they would realize that it's really boring. Like it's like yeah. a lot of walking, a lot of listening, a lot of like, you know, like keeping time in check while mm -hmm. you try to find something. Yeah. On, the on the off chance you'll get to hit something, yeah. which is rare. It's very. Rare. It's a lot of leg work. It's like, um, have you ever seen Indiana Jones, the first one, when he's talking to the class? <sighs> You're gonna kill me. You haven't seen it. I well, haven't. You haven't seen the movie at all, have you? I've, I've never seen it. Actually, I knew that already, yes. and I teed you up so you can feel the shame. <laughs> so now all the listeners know my deep dark secret. <laughs> yeah, one of them. One of the many. One of the many. There's a lot of skeletons in that closet. Yes, some. Yeah, this one has an Indiana Jones shaped hat, and uh, and this one is one of the things he says so many times, like. You know, you know, archaeology is not sexy. It's about like it's about reading, being in the library, doing research. But of course, the next thing after, he's having an adventure. <laughs> yeah, he's running from a massive. Yeah, boulder. he's right. Exactly. So it's kind of under yeah. It, you're right. It can be really boring out there. Yeah, you're right. You go to a lot of these places expecting dog-headed demons to be running after you, and yeah. nothing usually happens. Yeah, I mean that's why we don't wear any protection. That's why we bring beer, guys. Like it's um, <laughs> we bring beer. <laughs> No, no, we, we we do have fun while we look for things, and Absolutely. we ex we soak it in. A lot of the things we end up doing is uh, soak in the history of where we're going more than the things that are there yeah. that are paranormal, right? Because uh, it's just that it won't always call for you. It doesn't care if you're calling, you know. That's right. It'll answer whenever it fucking wants to. That's right. So. <laughs> kind of like my kids. <laughs> what did you kick off? <laughs> when she called me bra. <laughs> I told her I'd put her through a wall if she ever said that to me again. 
Yeah, that's the life I live. Yeah. Uh, as we were talking today, actually while we were recording uh, your episode, Oscar, mm-hmm. on our Instagram, at Chicago Ghosts on Instagram, yeah. we got a really great comment I wanted to read. Uh, it's from Timothy.Phelps42. And he commented, I love the level of proof that you all bring to the paranormal realm. Thank you guys for everything you bring to the table. That was a great, that's a great review. I like that's that one a, a lot. great, great comment. So, Timothy, I don't know if you listen to this podcast. We are connected on Instagram, but ah. if you're out there and you're listening, thank you, sir. Much appreciated. What the fuck was that? Oh, Moons in Scorpio. No wonder I'm so emotional. You see? Now drink some of that whiskey now that you know what the problem is. No. <laughs> All right. Um, continuing with the housekeeping. I received an email last week, Oscar. I talked to you about this off the air. From uh, Brian.Dolan at MSN.com. He wrote saying that he listened to a past episode. I think it was episode 50 uh, when we went to the alien cat house. Okay, yes. And we interviewed that crazy-ass episode. Yes. Uh, Listeners, check it out if you haven't. Episode 50, we reported live from a famous brothel in Nevada. It was nuts. But he had written that uh, he didn't understand why in that episode – we said SOS-radio, that we're reporting for SOS-radio. Right. That's right. So and I, that made me think that we haven't talked about the changeover in months. Right. I just assumed, oh, yeah, everyone gets it, right? And I shouldn't. No, you should never assume. So basically what happened in late December, we decided to do a rebranding of the podcast. Same host, same kind of stories, you know, going to be traveling just like before, all the hijinks, all the craziness. Um, But we decided to rebrand with a new website, a new podcast name. And in that process, I broke everything. Hmm. I broke did it. You broke did it? I broke did it. Nice. Um, So we lost everything. All of our past listeners, all of our iTunes reviews, we lost it all. So uh, that was my mistake. I've been working social media. I've been working my email list. Uh, mm-hmm. I have an extensive email list. Since that happened, catching people up and saying, hey, we're still here. It's just a new name, a new website. Here's how you find us. So to answer Brian's question, SOS-Radio is the Supernatural Occurrence Studies podcast mm-hmm. and vice versa. Yes. It's just we're at episode 65 this evening, right? It would be impossible to go back and edit Every single episode to take out every mention of SOS-Radio or SOS-Radio.com. So, and I don't want to delete those episodes because they're great episodes. Right, yeah. They're They're fantastic episodes. So, um, SOS-Radio is the Supernatural Current Studies podcast. Supernatural Current Studies podcast is SOS-Radio. If you go to SOS-Radio.com, you will get to Supernatural... I mean, ChicagoGhostPodcast.com. <laughs> that was really hard to say. Yeah, uh, you almost got it there. So it, it, really it all nice. works. They're all joined up together. But, Brian, that's why um, we mentioned SOS-Radio, because we went through a rebranding um, and didn't want to get rid of the old episodes, and it's impossible to edit all of those old episodes to True. get out all the references. Did yes. I pretty much say that correctly? You Oscar? did. You did. So, but Brian, thank you for listening. And I'm not going to edit that shit again. Yeah, no, that's impossible. That's, yeah, it's really hard. And we must have said SOS-Radio a million times yeah. over those episodes. You so. did anyway. And I just didn't <laughs> want to, I don't want to delete the episodes. Yeah, you know? I get it. Otherwise, the Cat House episode won't exist. The right. Area 51 episodes won't exist. The Bridgewater Triangle episodes won't exist. 
the Fister Hotel episode won't exist, and on and on and on yeah. and on and on. So there you go. There's the answer. Um, contact us uh, at contact at chicagoghostpodcast.com. Find us on Facebook at Chicago Ghost Podcast on Facebook. Twitter and Instagram at Chicago Ghosts. And if you love what we do, become our Patreon. Patreon.com slash Supernatural A Current Studies Podcast. Did I forget any housekeeping, Oscar? Um, that corner of the room is still pretty dusty. There is. I see cobwebs over there. It's unacceptable. <laughs> that is really unacceptable. If you guys know Jay, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> I, have an issue. I have issues. Yeah. I have a lot of issues. Yeah. Uh, all right. Great. Lexi, anything you want to say before we take a, a quick break and roll into the topic? Nope. Great. Oscar, let's take a break. Okay. And we'll come back in a moment. Sweet. This episode of the Supernatural Current Studies podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Right now, for our lovely listeners, Gamefly is offering a premium, free, 30-day, one-game trial. That's one free game trial shipped directly to you, with a pre-addressed envelope included for super easy returns. No contracts and cancel at any time. Go to www.gameflyoffer.com forward slash ghost. That's gameflyoffer.com forward slash ghost. Choose from over 8,000 new and classic games for almost any console imaginable. Remember, that's www.gameflyoffer.com forward slash ghost. Start your free trial now. Today's episode of the Supernatural Occurrence Studies podcast is brought to you by grasshopper.com. Sound more professional and stay connected with grasshopper.com. Grasshopper.com, the virtual phone system designed for entrepreneurs. Grasshopper works just like a traditional phone system, but requires absolutely no hardware to purchase or software to install. It's all managed conveniently online or by your phone. Callers can reach you wherever you are, at home, on your cell, or in the office. Get a toll-free number, multiple extensions, custom call forwarding, Send and receive text messages and more. Listeners of the show save $50 on your order when you visit www.trygrasshopper.com forward slash ghost. That's trygrasshopper.com forward slash ghost. Plans start at only $12 a month and come with a whopping 30-day money-back guarantee. Remember, that's trygrasshopper.com forward slash ghost. Get connected now. We are back. I don't know. I'm loving, loving the new music from Joe. Him and Will have uh, I really stepped up their game for us. Uh, so, again, thanks, Joe. All right. Tonight we're going to be talking about the Great Lakes. Specifically, Lake Michigan. We're in Chicago, right? Yep. Right on the lake. Uh, of course, we're talking about Lake Michigan on a podcast dedicated to all things paranormal, 
because Lake Michigan is loaded with high strangeness. Forget the Bermuda Triangle. What a lot of people fail to realize is that right here, right in the Midwest United States, we have our very own watery epicenter of strange and bizarre activity. Disappearing ships and planes, strange effects on navigational equipment, Mm -hmm. ghost ships, sea monsters, UFOs, and even an underwater version of Stonehenge. We call it the Lake Michigan Triangle. In his book, The Great Lakes Triangle, author and aviator Jay Gurley said that he believes, quote, the Great Lakes account for more unexplained disappearances per unit area than the Bermuda Triangle. Now it may, end quote, now what makes this statement so incredible is the size of the Bermuda Triangle is 16 times larger than the Great Lakes. So it's a lot of activity. Yeah. So all the Great Lakes have tons of paranormal activity. I want to focus on Lake Michigan and what's called the Lake Michigan Triangle. Have you heard of this before, Oscar? No. So the area within Lake Michigan that is considered to be the triangle stretches three points. Mm-hmm. At the northwest point is Manitowoc, Wisconsin. Okay. At the northeast point is Ludington, Michigan. And at the southeast point is Benton Harbor, Michigan. Okay. So that big triangular area in Lake Michigan is what's considered the Lake Michigan Triangle. Okay. Up in Wisconsin, and then two points, northeast and southeast in Michigan. Okay. That being Ludington and Benton Harbor. So as I like to do, I like to get some factual information out there about the topic at hand. Right. Right? So... I want to talk about the Great Lakes. Do you know what the five Great Lakes are, Oscar? Huron, Erie, Mich- um, Lake Michigan, of course. Yes. Um, Ontario. Yeah, one more, one more. Superior? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. I always remember it by the acronym HOMES. Oh, okay. Huron, yeah. Ontario, Michigan, Erie, Superior. Yeah, yeah, It goes yeah, yeah. back to grammar school. Um, it's been a while for me. So... It's interesting how the Great Lakes were formed. About a million years ago, glaciers that were 6,500 feet thick, so just imagine this, 6,500 feet, um, covered most of the Midwest of the United States, right, where we're sitting. Right. Um, The glaciers' slow back-and-forth movements carved out these unbelievably massive gouges in the earth that would eventually fill with water when the glaciers withdrew and melted approximately 14,000 years ago. Hmm. This is how the Great Lakes were formed. Okay. I'm with you. Now, now the Great Lakes... Okay, you're with <laughs> Good. <laughs> the Great Lakes make up about 21% of the Earth's fresh water and cover a combined area of 94,250 square miles. That's 5,439 cubic miles of water. Damn. Their size and volume rolling waves, vast depths, and strong currents have acquired the Great Lakes the nickname Inland Seas. Inland Seas. Okay. Out of the five Great Lakes, Lake Superior is the largest, containing more water than all the other Great Lakes combined, and actually totaling 10% of the Earth's water, fresh and salt. So this Superior is massive. Yeah, it is. Now, getting a little more micro, Lake Michigan 
Lake Michigan is the only great lake located entirely in the United States. Right. The rest touch Canada, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and for those who don't know, Lake Michigan is bordered by Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Right. Now, Lake Michigan, it's the sixth largest body of fresh water in the world. It's 300 miles long and averages 75 miles of cross. So this is no puddle we're talking about. This is still a massive body of water. It's got an average depth of 279 feet, and its deepest point measures 923 feet at its northern half at what's called the Upper Chippewa Basin. Hmm. Lake Michigan is the third largest of the Great Lakes if measured by water surface, 22,404 square miles water surface. And, of course, Lake Superior is number one. Lake Huron, by surface, is number two. Okay. Lake Michigan, though, is the second largest by volume, being uh, ringing in at 1,180 cubic miles of water. And Lake Superior is number one Okay. by volume. Now, the water of Lake Michigan, and this kind of ties into some of the stories we're going to talk about, the water of Lake Michigan has an unusual circulatory pattern. Um, it resembles the traffic flow in a suburban cul-de-sac. How would you describe a cul-de-sac for our listeners, maybe in other countries, Oscar? I live in a city. I don't do my cul-de-sacs. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what? Good point. Yeah. Well, of course, it's the one-way like, street. Yeah, it's the one-way street. They go circular around the houses surrounding the like circle. The, yeah, yeah. Right, and you, you go back in the out circle, the other way. And you go bump, yeah, you have to go circle around to get back out the other way. So one-way direct, one-way yeah, road. One-way yeah. road that leads into a circle. Yes. Right? So that's how Lake Michigan waters kind of moves. It moves like the suburban cul-de-sac, this very slow, um, circular sort of uh, current pattern. Ocean-like swells and squalls, especially during the winter, can result in drastic temperature changes along the coast and shorelines of Lake Michigan mm -hmm. and provide for extremely difficult and treacherous ship navigation. Matter of fact, a lot of times in the cold months, Chicago's famous Lakeshore Drive, or the LSD, will actually shut down due to huge waves crashing over rock, uh, rock wall barriers um, and onto LSD, making driving and pedestrian traffic nearly impossible. You see it in the news every, uh, every winter and fall. Yes. Major port cities on Lake Michigan include Chicago, Illinois, where we're at, right? Green Bay, Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Gary, Indiana. Hmm. Now, the first Europeans to actually see Lake Michigan were French traders and explorers in the 1600s. And they named Lake Michigan back then the Grand Lac, L-A-C, I'm assuming... In French, it's Lac. Uh, lake. For Lake, must be. Yeah, Lac, Grand Lac. Uh, Samuel de Champlain is the one who named it Grand Lac back Fuck in the 1600s. That guy's a piece of shit. You don't like him? Nah, I, I've seen his itinerary. Yeah, no, he's. You don't like him. Oscar's not having it. Nope, not with that guy. <laughs> well, all right. So it started out not Lake Michigan, but Grand Lac. It was later named um, the Lake of the Stinking Water. <laughs> <laughs> or Lake of the Puants, named after the indigenous people who occupied its shores. Okay. It then became Lac St. Joseph. You're kidding. Nope. And then Lac de Illinois. And then Lac Dauphine. Dauphine. And then Michigami, 
Wow. The Ojibwa Indian word meaning large lake or okay. land surrounded by water. And eventually becoming Lake Michigan from that Ojibwa word, Michigami, right. right? So a lot of name changes, lots of history here. Um, fun fact, though, the Ojibwa, members of the Algonquin people, inhabited what is now the state of Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, part of the Lake Michigan Triangle, as far back as 11,000 B.C. You're kidding. Isn't that insane? How do they know that? I didn't, like, they carbon date some stuff yeah, in there? Yeah, through artifacts and, yeah, findings, yeah, I guess they carbon could, dating, uh, yeah. But 11,000 years before Christ, B.C. Yeah, Isn't nuts. that nuts? That's nuts. I sad. never knew that. I like that. I like that stat. Now, uh, within Lake Michigan, there are literally thousands, thousands of shipwrecks sitting at its bottom. Estimates range from 2,500 to nearly 8,000. Could you believe that? Yeah. I can. And at least 18 sh- at least 18 ships have vanished in the triangle area. 18. Okay. A good many of them went down or just disappeared in part of the triangle between Benton Harbor, Michigan and Ludington, Michigan, kind of that east side triangle. East side. <clears throat> so a lot of these disappearances and mysteries that we're going to be talking about kind of focus on the east side of the Michigan triangle. You with me? Yes. All right. Now, when these wrecks and disappearances happen, sometimes there were survivors. Most of the time, there were not. But in the cases where there were survivors who could actually pinpoint where the ships went down, no ships were ever found. Hmm. So, I want to talk about seven of the, the most movie? famous. Oh. No. <laughs> seven <laughs> of the most famous maritime tragedies and the resulting hauntings that happened on Lake Michigan. Okay. Starting with the Griffin. In 1679, a rugged 40-ton ship called the Griffin, captained by French explorer René de La Salle, La Salle Street, Chicago, yeah. set sail from Washington Harbor near Green Bay, Wisconsin, heading to Niagara, New York, mm-hmm. in favorable weather conditions. As soon as the Griffin left the harbor, it, along with its six crew members, vanished without a trace. Hmm. No bodies were ever discovered, no wreckage ever found. Hmm. Since the Griffin's disappearance, a glowing, ghostly, three-masted ship has been seen emerging uh, from the fog on the banks of Lake Michigan. Many believe this to be the ghost ship Griffin. The ghostly griffin likes to put itself in a collision course with other ships, only to disappear right before the moment of impact. The Hmm. phantom ship is seen most often sailing on foggy nights around Michigan Harbor. I love ghost ship stories. Yeah, they're fun. So this thing just emerges out of the fog. Boats see it. It's in direct path, direct collision course with the earthly boat. Only to disappear right before they hit. Yeah, that's man. Don't you wish you were? I mean, would you would you want to be there? It sounds cool reading it, but like, oh hell yeah, I would, would love okay. to see one of these. Because how is that in your spectrum of? I mean, I guess I guess you're okay with ghosts. Okay, I know you don't like aliens. Yeah. I don't demons. like aliens. I hate aliens. Demons. Okay, so I'm just trying to imagine like if you'd be up for that. But yeah, okay, I guess. Yeah, I would totally. Okay. That's in your wheelhouse. Totally okay, I would see this. Okay, cool. and actually, this next. 
ship we're going to talk about, this next disaster uh, in the Triangle, uh, Dave and I, Dave Black and I, have a personal tie to. Really? Yeah. So let me tell this story. Please. Now, in this story, two cursed ships' fates are intertwined. There's a maritime legend that says any ship whose name ends with the letter A brings bad luck. And the first ship in this story, a 19th century schooner called Augusta, certainly lives up to that claim. In fact, the Augusta suffered so many bouts of misfortune that her name was eventually changed, which sailors also believe is extremely bad luck. So no ship names ending in A and never change the name of a ship hmm. during, her, during her lifetime. So the Augusta did both, or had both. Then we have the Lady Elgin, this, the second ship in this story. Lady Elgin was a wooden-hulled side-wheel steamship built in New York in 1851. Yeah. What are you going to say? No, I was going to say, do all these names, like, because there's a lot of towns named after a lot of these things. Elgin? Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I didn't even think of that. Elgin, Illinois. Yeah, right. Oh, do I they wonder. come from, they must have, right? Or what? I don't know when Elgin was incorporated. Elgin, Illinois was incorporated. It but seems like there's a lot of connections oh, to a lot of, of suburbs and towns and whatever. Yeah, you're right. Okay. I just okay. I'm just noticing that. Okay, continue. No, that's all right. So, Lady Elgin um, was built in New York in 1851, mm -hmm. but because Lady Elgin's boilers and engine had once powered a slave ship called Cleopatra, many felt she was also cursed, just like the Augusta, from the moment she was launched. She engaged in slave trading, mm -hmm. and her name ended in A. And the ship's inner workings underwent a name change when the boilers and engine were switched from Cleopatra to Lady Elgin. Not good. Yeah. The Lady Elgin, just like Augusta, suffered misfortune after misfortune during her time on the water. Seemingly, these maritime superstitions were coming true. Both ships' fate became forever intertwined when in the early hours of September 8th, 1860, during a violent gale, a particularly violent storm, Augusta accidentally rammed Lady Elgin and she sank in Lake Michigan off the coast of Highwood, Illinois. At the time of impact, Augusta was doing approximately 11 knots, or 12.6 miles per hour. Okay. And when she hit Lady Elgin... Augusta tore a hole in the ship's hull, effectively piercing hull, captain, and guards, as well as whipping off her wheel. The Lady Elgin sank within a half hour. Nearly 400 men, women, and children died. Meanwhile, the Augusta left the accident site unscathed and unaware of the carnage she was leaving behind, and the Augusta went on to deliver the cargo she was carrying. This incident is still considered the largest loss of life on open water in Great Lakes history, what became known as the Titanic of the Great Lakes. Now, legend has it that some of the people who went to their watery graves when Lady Elgin sank are still lingering about Lake Michigan shores. Because it was so close. Yeah. Rumors claim that people dressed in period clothing occasionally stumble out of the water and onto the shore looking dazed and calling out for lost loved ones. Students at Northwestern University, which sits right on Lake Michigan in Evanston, Illinois, in Evanston, Illinois, have seen people stumble out of the lake shouting for help and yelling 
that their boat just sank. Then they disappear. Really creepy, creepy stuff. Now, I said uh, when I first started talking about Lady Elgin and Augusta, Dave Black and I have a personal tie to this story. Right. Back in the early 2000s, Dave Black's father used to take us to some of the Lady Elgin's wreckage uh, in his boat. And we would anchor right on the wreckage, and Dave and I would actually dive down and touch this boat. She sits about 100 feet off the coast of Winneka, Illinois, in about 15 feet of water. We had no idea what we were diving down to. We had no idea this was the greatest tragedy uh, on the Great Lakes in history. The Titanic of the Great Lakes. 400 people died, the Titanic of the Great Lakes. We were diving down, touching this thing. What year did it happen again? Uh, When did it go down? Yeah. Go back up in my notes here. September 8th, 1860. Because Titanic sank after that. <laughs> yes. Wouldn't Titanic be the, the poor man's? No, no. This would be the poor man's Titanic. This would be the poor man's Titanic. I know that. I'm trying that is to a really callous way to put it. Because no. <laughs> yeah. people call it the, great, the Titanic of the Great well, because it, She was actually a, a massive ship, one of the biggest ships. On no, I know, but this came time. before. This is the prequel. This is the prequel to Titanic. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, we used to actually uh, play and touch. Did anyone say that it can't be ship. sunk? I had no okay. idea. Dave had no idea. I can't believe you used to dive on this thing not knowing the horrible fate it suffered, you know? So what did you guys think it was then? Just a, just a boat. Just a sunken boat. Okay. There's so many out there. This is just one of the 8,000. Don't you think there's always like at least one life attached to a sunken boat? <clears throat> Maybe. <I don't> know. <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. But attached on, to its take demise. A, take a drink of my beer. Right. Uh, it just sounds like funny to me. Yeah. But when I was researching this story, I'm like, oh, my God, this is the boat we used to dive on. Yeah. So pretty cool. So the next boat uh, is called the Thomas Hume. And she was a three-masted schooner built in Manitowoc, Wisconsin in 1870. The ship was originally named A.C. Albrecht, but she was sold and renamed Thomas Hume in 1883. And we know about the superstition of renaming a ship. You just don't do it. Thomas Hume was out on Lake Michigan doing its job collecting lumber from various ports when, on May 21st, 1891, she left Chicago, headed for Muskegon, Michigan, and disappeared without a trace. Nothing has been found of the Thomas Hume. No wreckage and nothing of the seven people on board. Many people claim the Thomas Hume slipped into... Somewhere else. <laughs> a victim of the Lake Michigan Triangle. Somewhere else. Hmm. That is, until almost a century later. In 2006, a diver working for AT&T Recovery came across an almost completely intact vessel at the bottom of the southern portion of Lake Michigan. Many experts believe this is the Thomas Hume. The size of the wreckage match- matches that of the Thomas Hume, and artifacts recovered bear matching dates when Thomas Hume would have been sailing, but no registration number was ever found on the wreck, so the verdict is still out on whether or not this is actually the Thomas Hume. But they don't know what else it could be, right? Either. Right. Right. Exactly. Because there's no registration numbers on this particular no, ship. No VIN Every, number? <laughs> yeah, I guess these, these <laughs> the right, the, the ships yeah. would have their VIN numbers basically well, etched this, into their decks. When did it get lost again? This one, aren't you listening? I am, but I'm, dates are really bad with me. I'm bad with dates. Yeah, and then I, on May 21st, 1891. 
than this long for us to find. Yeah. That. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That's pretty cool. So, um, I, <laughs> I lost my place. My place. <laughs> So, so they're not sure if this boat is actually a Thomas Hume. The size matches right. and artifacts recovered from this wreckage match the date when Hume would have been sailing, but they're not sure. Now, it's said that annually, on the anniversary of its sinking, the Thomas Hume is said to reappear from under the lee of the northwest breakwater and moves off down Lake Michigan, regardless of which way the wind is blowing. Hmm. One time... A, a tugboat captain saw the spectral ship and decided to follow it. When the ghost ship reached Gross Point at roughly 10 miles offshore, the tug captain saw the ship's masts and sails totter and fall, and the hull lurch to the side and disappear under the waves, while a long wail sounded from the ghostly crew as the Thomas Hume sank once again. Sometime during the night on October 28th or 29th, 1892, the W.H. Gilcher, a massive 318-foot-long, 40-foot-wide steel-hulled lake freighter, (laughs) vanished vanished on Lake Michigan along with all 18 or 22 men on board. There were no manifestos kept, so they're not exactly sure how many people were on board. Yeah. Now, the Gilcher was considered the largest, most technologically advanced ship of its time. This ship was never found. Today, W.H. Gilcher is considered the largest unidentified shipwreck in Lake Michigan. Although this doesn't stop the W.H. Gilcher from making occasional appearances. But when they say largest, do they, they're talking about the, the size of the ship versus not, not like the amount of people that were in? The size of the ship, correct. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sure I don't know if they quantify casualties over property. No, this is definitely property. The okay. size of the ship. Cool. And today, the W.H. Gilcher is seen mainly off Mackinac Island, Michigan, covered in a thin veil of fog, along with her captain, Captain Weeks, silently standing at the ship's helm. Hmm. There have even been reports that a long, terrifying wail can be heard coming from the ghost ship, as if the W.H. Gilcher is unleashing its foghorn one last time in a desperate, unanswered call for help. What were the main uh, reasons why uh, ships would be out in the lakes? Okay, so there is fishing. There's cargo. What you mean by cargo is that one port to another, from one country to another, right? Because it can't go very far. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying the lakes aren't small. I'm saying they can go from one state to another, right? They'd probably be faster. State to state. Oh, you you could get through, you could get, from Lake Michigan to another country. Yeah, I know that, yeah. I'm you sorry. could, yeah, through yeah. waterways, right. out to the ocean, yeah, right, absolutely. Right. But no, mostly it was cargo. Okay, yeah. There were, there were passenger ships, but most of it was cargo. I imagine there wasn't a whole lot of tourism yeah, back then. Chicago, yeah. Milwaukee, Indiana, gotcha. these were major ports back then. Gotcha. How about on September 16th, 1901? How about it? Another ship, a steamship called the Hudson was lost near Keweenaw Point near Grant Township, Michigan. 24 people went to the bottom of Lake Michigan along with the ship and a load of grain. As a few sailors clung desperately to some of the Hudson's wreckage, a passing steamer called Nickel did nothing to save them because the Nickel's captain feared for his own crew's safety. Hmm. The sailors drowned. Since that time, 
Legend has it that the Hudson has become a ghost ship, appearing only on September 16th, the anniversary of its demise. One tugboat captain even claimed to have boarded the sunken vessel. As the story goes, a tugboat captain and his mate were near Kinawa, Kiwana Point on September 16th in the late 1940s when they spotted a rusty ship covered in a brown slime-like substance heading right towards them. The tugboat captain claims to have boarded the vessel to see if it was in distress and to scold its captain for nearly wrecking his tugboat. In the pilot house, he encountered the ragged apparitions of the Hudson's helmsman and captain, who went on to explain to him that the ship and its crew were damned to relive the sinking each September 16th, and warned the tugboat captain to get off, or his fate would be locked with theirs. The tugboat captain then leapt from the boat and swam the icy Lake Michigan waters to his Mm. own vessel. The Hudson has been seen from time to time since this incident, and always on September 16th, and always off Keweenaw Point. I wonder if it could get us to... Maybe that would be a good trip, because um, there's a date locked in. There's probably other people there that do this annually. There is. Yeah, I mean, there have to There be. is. Yeah. They actually have events uh, planned around the September 16th, hopeful sighting of the show. Hmm. You're right. That would be a fun excursion well, yeah. for the show. Yeah. It's not that far. I mean, I actually don't know, but it doesn't seem like it's impossible, impossibly far. Yeah. Right? No, know. no. I mean, it's I mean, it's a few hour drives past like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's a it's a day and a half trip. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like fun, dude. Anyway. Now, this one's this one's uh, cool. This one's really, really famous. The Rouse Simmons, the Christmas tree ship. Ooh. Yeah. Built in Milwaukee. Uh, Wisconsin, in 1868, the Rouse Simmons was a 205-ton, three-masted schooner built for hauling lumber between mills and markets around Lake Michigan, which she did for 20 years. In the late 19th century and early 20th century, the popular German tradition of placing an evergreen tree in the home and decorating it for Christmas became popular, and the demand for Christmas trees was huge. Schooners would make late-season trips from northern Michigan and Wisconsin, picking up Christmas trees and delivering them to various ports. The Rouse Simmons was no exception, and Chicago's newspapers lovingly dubbed the Rouse Simmons captain, a man by the name of Schooneman, Captain Santa. Captain Santa was a popular man, known and loved for his kindness and generosity by all who knew him. Captain Santa sold Christmas trees from the deck of the Rouse Simmons to Chicagoans for nearly three decades. His trees sold for a dollar, and a lot of times he simply gave Christmas trees to those less fortunate. Oh. Right? Then on November 22, 1912, the Rouse Simmons, heavily loaded with Christmas trees, to the point where people said it looked like a floating forest, (laughs) disappeared beneath Lake Michigan's waves during a violent winter gale taking with it approximately 23 people, including Captain Santa. Hmm. For several weeks and months after the sinking, Christmas trees washed ashore along Wisconsin's coastline. No bodies were ever recovered. In 1924, some Wisconsin fishermen found Captain Santa's waterproof oilskin wallet in one of their fishing nets, and they returned it to Captain Santa's family. But no Captain Santa. Over the years, some Lake Michigan sailors claimed to have seen the Rouse Simmons suddenly appear out of nowhere, 
oftentimes on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. She described as a large old ship with tattered sails just bobbing in the water, and some accounts claim to see a man standing on the ship's ghostly deck, frantically waving a lighted lantern. The sounds of phantom bells sometimes accompany these sightings. Is this Captain Santa desperately trying to signal for help while his Christmas tree ship was being swallowed by Lake Michigan? In October 1971, the Ralph Simmons was found at the bottom of Lake Michigan, near Two Rivers, Wisconsin, sitting perfectly upright in about 177 feet of water. And here's one more bit of information. Ironically, the Ralph Simmons was Thomas Hume's brother's ship, which was sailing next to Thomas Hume the day it went missing. Really? Yep. Huh. The Ralph Simmons decided to turn around because of the storm they were facing. Foul play. While the Thomas Hume decided to push forward. Hmm. This one's short and sweet. The Rosabelle. On October, on October 30th, 1921, a ship named Rosabelle was discovered overturned and damaged, capsized, in Lake Michigan. Yet none of its 11 passengers were ever found. Even more chilling is the fact that damages to the vessel implied a collision, a strong collision. Really? Yet no other ship reported an accident, huh. and no damaged ships were ever located. The mystery is what collided with Rosabelle, and more importantly, what happened to her crew. More That's, on that later. I like that one. Yeah, there's a theory here later, but we're gonna, it's another section of this. Right. Okay. This topic. So we're gonna we're gonna put that in our back pocket for a little while. All right. What happened to Rosabelle? Here's a strange one. It's called the Missis the Mississippi. I think we need another break. Here's a strange one. Yeah. It's called the uh, mysterious disappearance of Captain Donner. And this is a highly documented case. On April twenty eighth, nineteen thirty seven. Captain George R. Donner was aboard his ship, the O.M. McFarlane. Captain Donner had spent hours and hours on the bridge maneuvering his ship through Lake Michigan's ice-chunky waters. When the ship was safely out of harm's way, Captain Donner retired to his quarters for some much-needed sleep and instructed his shipmates to wake him when they neared Port Washington, Wisconsin. About three hours later, as they were nearing the port, Donner's second mate went to wake him up. Mm-hmm. Donner's door was locked from the inside, and after repeated attempts to wake him, the mate broke into Donner's room, but the captain was nowhere to be found. Donner had vanished. There were two portals in Donner's cabin, but he was much too big, much too large of a man okay. to ever fit through him. The ship was heavily searched to no avail. And interesting that O.M. McFarland was near Ludington, Michigan at the time of Captain Donner's disappearance, one of the points that make up the Lake Michigan Triangle. Yeah. Captain Donner was never seen or heard from again, and this story is as much a mystery today as it was 81 years ago. In 37. Huh. So, locked from the inside, classic Sherlock Holmes case kind of thing, where Go on that. he just disappeared, right? And then, you know, they're like, the fuck happened? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if only Don, if only Sherlock said that. The fuck happened here? <laughs> he just goes into a room. He's like, the fuck? <laughs> um, that would be funny. Would it be D A F A Q? Yes. D A F A Q. It has to be. It has to be. Um, 
I'm curious of how, how normal it was uh, would have been, maybe even today still, but I doubt today. But back then, especially about ships, boats of any kind, to have like trap doors and stuff in case people like you know uh, cl- you know uh, climbed on it or like they were under attack, make like a crawl space kind of a thing, like or a hidey hole, maybe like a hidey hole or another way out. You know, that's a great question. I don't know the answer, but I would assume the way the articles describe the search mm-hmm. that they did uh, of this boat while it was still on water. Yeah. Um, I mean, these guys, you know, they travel on these boats for months. They know that they know There's the no, intimacies of these boats. Right? right. There's no window or anything like that, right? Well, there are the portals. That's what but, you mean by portals? Okay. Yeah, portals are little round windows. Oh, those little round. That, that yes. you meant that they were like, oh, okay, I was thinking of something else. Okay. Yeah, portals are like little little round windows in a ship's hull. Yes, I've seen them. To okay. give you some semblance of light coming through so you don't feel like you're in a coffin down there. But you're in a coffin, basically. Basically in a coffin, yeah, yeah floating coffin. You're in a plane, you're in a coffin doing 1,000 miles an hour, you're in a boat, <laughs> we're not you're about, in a coffin we're not doing about, about your issues, 12 James. miles. Right, we're not 12 about, miles an hour. Yeah. yeah, so the portals, there were windows in his room, but they were tiny. They were small, and he was a large man. There was yeah, no yeah, way. Yeah. He was getting through. Right. So this guy just he just vanished. Hmm. And of course, what some believe is that the triangle got him. Yeah, or he made a deal with the devil and he disappeared. Right, yeah. just gone. Okay, cool. Well, obviously, I have no answer. So that was seven boats, seven ghost ships, seven stories. But I want to throw a bonus in here. Even though this didn't happen on Lake Michigan, it happened on the Chicago River, which meets Lake Michigan. So I think it goes along with our theme. And since we're talking about ship disasters. It would be an extreme disservice uh, not to talk about the July 24th, 1915 sinking of the SS Eastland. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hmm. Have you heard of the Eastland disaster? Um, I did a little bit in my research, but I didn't go too much into it. Okay. So, on July 24th, 1915, a cold, damp Saturday morning, the Eastland, known as the Speed Queen of the Great Lakes, was tasked with taking Western Electric employees and their families on a fun-filled trip from where she was docked at the Clark Street Bridge in the Chicago Loop Mm -hmm. across Lake Michigan to Michigan City, Indiana. Sadly, the Eastland never left the Chicago River. As excited passengers began to board the Eastland, about 50 people per minute, the ship began to list to its port side away from the pier she was tied to. More people boarded and scrambled for seats and viewing spots on the deck. The shifting uh, weight of the throng of people caused the already top-heavy Eastland to list even further. Once she reached a 45-degree list, 
All hope was lost. All bets were off. That was it. Water began rushing into open gangways and into the engine room. Water poured into open portals in cabins below deck. The Eastland was built to hold 500 people plus cargo. There were more than 25 people on board when she finally rolled onto her side in 20 feet of water. Um, oh, I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> can we edit that or just roll with it? Uh, we, can, we can edit that. The Eastland was built to hold 500 people plus cargo, but there were more than 2,500 people on board when she finally rolled onto her side in 20 feet of brown, murky Chicago River water. 844 people died that morning, and they were a mere 20 feet from the pier. 70% of those killed were under the age of 25. Mm. Most died from drowning, having been caught below deck when the ship suddenly flipped onto her side. Others were crushed under the ship. Screams were heard for miles around. Hordes of bodies, alive and dead, crowded the waters around the boat. It was said that infants, babies, bobbed in the water like corks. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Chicago's pretty quiet about the Eastland, what became known as Chicago's Titanic. In 1990, a memorial plaque was unveiled at the site of the Eastland disaster, but it was stolen. You gotta love Chicago. Yeah. In 2003, a new plaque was installed on the corner <laughs> of Wacker Drive and LaSalle Street, which is a really, really busy intersection, so it can't be stolen. Um, but of course, with that much life lost, there are ghost stories. Today, as people walk across the Clark Street Bridge, they claim to hear blood-curdling screams and splashing sounds coming from the lake, the river below. When they stop to look and try to offer help, the river is empty. Other tales talk about shadowy outlines of bodies floating in the Chicago River where the Eastland stood that morning. Probably the most terrifying are the stories of hundreds of ghostly faces seen peering up from beneath the Chicago River's murky waters. And the ghostly activity isn't confined to the site of the Eastland disaster. Hundreds of disaster victims were taken to a makeshift morgue at Chicago's 2nd Regiment Armory. There, the bodies were left out, waiting for family members to come claim them. The 2nd Regiment Army eventually became Harpo Studios, home of the world-famous Oprah Winfrey show. Right, right. Right? Oprah Winfrey Studios, Harpo is Oprah backwards, it's her yeah. studio. So right, 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 right. Oprah Studios were haunted from ghosts of the Eastland victims. Ghostly marching sounds, laughing, children giggling, doors opening and closing on their own, clinking glasses, and even a ghostly gray lady were all reported phenomenon happening at Harpo Studios. Remnants of the Eastland victims who laid there. Wow. And Harpo Studios was demolished in 2016. Yeah. What do you think so far? I think that one's um I think that one's very interesting because you never get that quite so close like a maritime it's maritime, right? Um yes. disaster so close like like they were right there. 
on the thing. Everyone 20 almost, feet away. feels like extra tragic, the fact that they were right there on land, what they, what they weren't, I guess. And uh, also, a maritime disaster is so close to the city. And so close to like a big place, like well, a big but well-known place like Corporal Studios, which I've been there. I've went there for an interview once, and I didn't notice anything, of course, but I would have said something. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's insane. I didn't hear anything about that kind of thing. There. Yeah. So eight hundred and forty-four people died, mostly from drowning or being crushed under the boat. Right. Yeah. While sure. others were able to somehow get over the rails of the top deck of the boat and just walk onto the side of the boat. Hmm. That was exposed to air, right? Yeah, yeah. And walk off the boat up onto the dock and to safety without ever getting their shoes wet. They were able to do that? Yes. Well, that's how close it was. That's how close it was. That's insane. Can you imagine being the person that doesn't get wet but is in the tra- is in a tragedy that includes 844 people that died? Drowning? Yeah. It's, yeah. In, it's insane to think about. And people – so – Obviously, this is a very busy part of downtown Chicago where this right, happened. Right. Yeah. There were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people around the area at the time this happened. Family members waving goodbye to their people going on the boat, going over to Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, there were tons of people there. Um, so people started chucking shit into the water for uh, people to grab onto and float, right? So like chairs and like you know uh, um, wooden crates and things for people to float on until um, rescuers could get to them. Some of these things that were being chucked in the water were actually hitting people in the head and killing them. Oh, no. So, I mean, it was just mass chaos. It was crazy. Dude, they were clawing at each other, drowning each other, trying well, yeah. to get up, pulling each other, you know, down, you know, like uh, Titanic syndrome, right? Grab onto the first thing next to you. Oh, it's a person. I don't care. I'm grabbing on for dear life. To hell if I drowned him. No one calls it Titanic. This is going to be, I just made that up. Okay, good. Titanic syndrome. I'm like, I'm like come on. That it worked. We did not change the world. <laughs> it worked. just get past it already? Okay, but I'm for good. some reason, you yeah. know, uh, Chicago doesn't talk about the Eastland. There's just this little plaque that, that commemorates what happened on that day. The second plaque. <laughs> yeah, right, the yeah. second plaque. That, what, the one that's not stolen. Um, but for some reason, we don't really talk about it. Huh. It's kind of I strange. Mean, yeah, we have the Chicago Fire. We have um, summer riots. We have um, a lot of things. We have the Holmes guy. H.H. H. Holmes. Right. Yeah. We have a lot. Of, yeah, we, we're pretty. I mean, Chicago is one of, those weird, one of the weird cities that's really proud of its violence and yes. incidences. And we're not proud of this one at all. We don't talk about this one. For some reason, we don't. Huh. Like, look at you. I mean, you're Chicagoan through and through. You never heard of this. No, I Isn't don't. Isn't that crazy? I mean, no, I never heard of it. Yeah. And just the image of those hundreds of faces peering up from under the water. Oh, man, that... That just gives me the goosebumps every time I think about it. Yeah, man, that's another. We should go to. We should go there too. You know? We absolutely can. I want to go there for sure. Listeners, let us know. Contact at chicagoghostpodcast.com. <laughs> Do you want us to take a podcast trip on the road to the site of the Eastland disaster? Let us know. Yeah. If you do, we'll go. It's not far at all. And also, um, when uh, these screams that they hear, these uh, evidence of whatever that could be there. Um, I know that's in Harpo Studios for sure, but like, do they get them at night only throughout any time? Anything like that about the time? I've heard it's mostly at night. Okay, it's mostly at night. Okay, kind of like that gift, screaming and splashing. Kind of like that, um, that gift that um Dave sent you about ghosts coming out at night and they stare at you and shit. Oh yeah, you can't yeah. if you can't sleep. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. There's a ghost they only come at night, yeah. staring at you, trying to send thoughts into your head or something. Yeah, something like that. Something yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I, I definitely had to add that, even though it didn't happen on Lake Michigan proper. It's the river. The river empties into the lake, so yeah. it, it fits, and it, I just had to. That's a good one. Be, uh, 
shameful to not let the listeners I mean, hear that story. Right. Yeah. So, not only are ships victim to Lake Michigan's triangle, um, airplanes are too. Nearly 40 planes have disappeared over Lake Michigan. 40. The most famous disappearance being that of Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 2501, hmm. a DC-4 prop liner. Flight 2501 was traveling between New York and Seattle with scheduled stops in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Spokane, Washington when it disappeared from radar during an electric storm above Lake Michigan, 18 miles north-northwest of Benton Harbor, Michigan. Wait, above, but doesn't uh, don't place fl- uh, fly above storms? For some reason, this guy didn't. He actually requested permission to go down. He requested permission to go down throughout the whole flight, or just this over one Lake part? Michigan? Yeah. Over Lake Michigan, he wanted to go down. He wanted to go under it, or something for some whatever reason. Yeah, a reason we never know. Don't know. Okay, so that's let me fishy. let me go on here. Okay, so it was traveling. Uh, it was a DC for traveling between New York and Seattle with scheduled scheduled stops in Minneapolis and Spokane when it disappeared from radar during an electric storm above Lake Michigan, 18 miles north northwest of Benton Harbor, Michigan, one of the points of the triangle, on the night of June 23, 1950. No mayday was ever issued. He requested permission to descend. That was the last they were ever seen or heard from. No mayday. No nothing. 58 people were on board. All were lost. Children, entire families, three pregnant women, business people, and honeymooners. So 61 people. These people, right, yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, with the pregnant women. These are the type of people that made up the passenger list. Yeah. Talk about irony. One passenger was so late getting to his flight that the propellers on this plane were already spinning when he finally frantically climbed on board. (laughs) He almost missed the flight. Another passenger, this was a great story too, another passenger purchased a $30,000 flight insurance policy from a vending machine at LaGuardia Airport in New York where the flight originated because, oddly, his friend strongly urged him to do so. Wait, you could, wait, the, you the thing that's blowing my to, mind, I know, the, the thing I know what you're say. is the vending machine. Yeah, you used to, I guess you used to be able to no, buy you can't. flight insurance through you a vending can't. machine. Yep. Come on, in 1950? I guess so. Okay. Times, they are changing. Have you seen Mad Men? You see that in Mad Men? Now, shortly after the plane went missing, a few body parts and some light debris were found floating on the surface of Lake Michigan, including a little girl's doll, Hmm. a Bible. Not creepy at all. (laughs) Yeah, right? And red sandals. But to this day, after all efforts to locate the plane with sonar, dragging the late bed, scuba diving efforts, even... After hundreds of planes and boats searched the entire area immediately after the disappearance, no plane wreckages, no plane wreckage or bodies have ever been found. It's believed that the plane was doing 400 miles per hour when it hit the water. That's 400 miles an hour. That's like hitting on concrete. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Like, you're absolutely right. That's not good. At the time, this was the most deadly commercial airlines disaster in history. At the, oh, at that time, that's what it was. Yeah, yes. I guess that makes sense too. Yes. Wow. So, oh my God. So the, the so oh God, there's so I many weird, interesting little things about it. One is, uh, I mean, the smallest thing is the obvious thing is that, yeah, we all have that sometimes. We all get like a little premonition, like you know, we don't have to. Don't take 
don't take Harlem on the way to work today. You know, things like that kind of thing. Don't take your guns to town, son. <laughs> um, you know, that's really cool. That happens all the time. More times than we can ever, in our lifetime, sure. probably has happened. Look at all the stories about 9-11. Right. People whose alarm clock didn't go off, so they were late to work. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. The, bu- the subway was running late. Or, yeah. Know, yeah. Absolutely. Very interesting stuff. And then, and then the other one, I was at the major one, is that why is this fucker going down? Why do you request permission to go under the stratosphere or at the stratosphere, whatever it is, uh, to, to what? Don't know. They don't know. Like a voice was telling him to do it? Was he compelled to do they it? Got, did it feel like a oh, force? Wow. Did it feel like – did he know about stories and wanted to see? That makes no sense. That doesn't seem as likely. Uh, did he um, – I'm thinking it's some sort of like a force of will that took him over to do it. And I don't mean like literally took him over like a puppet, but like compelled him to do it. And he was like, fuck it. I'll ask and get permission to do it. Or did some – yeah. What, what happened to the wreckage? Where's the plane? Right. Just gone. So they don't even know what was wrong with the plane that allowed that. They made this pilot not finding, want to go down. They can't even finding, find the wreckage to find out what happened. Right. Not finding the wreckage, I understand. Because it's a large body of water. I know that it's been a long time now since. And I feel like if we were – if we made it our mission to look for it, we would have found it by now. But obviously, we're not going to keep looking forever. So we had to stop after the first, what, year? Um I don't know how long before search missions stop because they can't do it forever. We're going to keep paying them to look for records, right? Um, but let's say that makes sense. I can see p- things getting lost forever. Well, not forever, but, you know, until it, the lake dries up. Um, so I can see that. But the, I just can't see the motivation of something so stupid. Like, the, I mean, you can see it's... for yourself there's a thunderstorm down there. You don't have to. Like, you can see the dark. I mean, what time was it on? Do you remember? Did you um... say what time it was happened? Other day, see. because if it's nighttime, I guess maybe you can't see that. But if you see thunder and lightning and shit, obviously you don't go down there. I don't know that I because daytime it's a time. it's a clear stark difference between dark clouds and not dark clouds. You know, the night of June twenty third, nineteen. Oh, the night. So okay, well, okay. Night. maybe it's a little bit. Of a... But remember, you know, the Lake Michigan. Yes, it is a big body of water, but it isn't thousands and thousands and thousands of feet deep like the ocean is. No, I know that. You know, so. And it's only what did I say? Seventy-five it's average. Like, yeah, distance, right. Uh, miles uh, yeah. Um, shore to shore, and a few hundred miles long. So it's hard to believe that you're not going to find these things if Actually, you're seriously looking. Well, the thing is that how can you be seriously looking after your initial look? Like, who's yeah, gonna? I'm just thinking like, oh, resources spent or to find out the mystery. You know, to find out this mystery, maybe it's not worth it for the people whoever be paying that bill. Maybe. That's what it is. I mean, we would have to, Jay, you and I would have to make an, a committee and pool resources, get signatures to find people, to hire the divers, to do more of a Titanic type of research and finding it, right? Yeah. That's the only way to do it because we would find it, I'm sure. I just don't think that um, they were as devoted to do it all the time. Maybe. That's why, I'm, that's why I can buy that. It sucks that we can't find it. It is weird a little bit. I don't think it's that weird. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it gets weirder. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> because if ghost ships and dif- disappearing planes isn't enough, there's the Lake Michigan Stonehenge. Oh yeah, what is that? With. You told me about this earlier. Yeah. What the fuck is that? So this is really really cool. In in 2007, Mark Holly, a Northwestern Michigan College professor of underwater archaeology, wow, discovered. I had some. That's a mouthful yeah, for a job a, title. Northwestern Michigan College of Professor of Ar- Underwater Archaeology. <laughs> 
<laughs> discovered a circle of stones approximately 40 feet underneath the Lake Michigan surface near Traverse City, Michigan. Huh. Six main stones are arranged in a near perfect circle and all are equidistant apart. Now, Mother Nature doesn't arrange items in circles and then make those items equidistant from one another. It just doesn't happen. Another stone, one that rests outside the main circle and measures four feet high by five feet long, has what appears to be a carving of a mastodon on it. A mastodon? Yeah, an elephant-like creature that went extinct almost 12,000 years ago. About the, yeah, yeah. Now, what's so remarkable about this mastodon stone is that it breaks the current school of thought that 12,000 years ago, early man didn't have the tools or the capabilities to make monumental stone structures in North America. This discovery disproves that theory because the carving of a mastodon had to be done while the mastodons were still alive and the lake bed still dry. And apart from the circle of stones and the mastodon rock that were discovered, there's also a near perfectly straight line of rocks leading to the circle of stones. Hmm. Experts believe that this whole structure, the circle, the line, the, the mastodon stone, is a hunting field. And what I mean by that, the line of rocks leading to the circle is what's known, they think, as a drive lane a line of rocks that animals will not cross, which effectively drives them in a set path right to a kill zone where hunters lay in wait. Kind of like a hunter's blind, if you will, which is our circle of six yeah. stones. And the mastodon rock depicts what animal is being herded down the drive lanes towards the kill zone, the yeah. mastodon. Now, in the show notes for this episode, I'll leave an excellent, I'll leave a link to an episode, excellent YouTube video further explaining this strange sight. Do they have footage? They do. Okay. Yeah, underwater footage. So, like, after all 12,000 years, um, you know, ca caused the water to fill up and rise over it, right? Yeah, there was a, there was a whole like reseeding and right. refilling of Lake Michigan throughout its history, and this was and, at a um, period when it was... And it happened so gradually, dry. which is why it doesn't look disturbed beyond... Beyond being submerged in the water, it could be. I'm it curious be. about it was a what slow else. Slow refill, it could be. Is that is that a theory going on about the Stonehenge too, or no? No, that's a whole nother. That's a whole nother ball of wax. Well, I know it's another ball of wax because we've had it's out in the open. We've had more time with it, so to speak. Things culminate differently. I get that. What I'm saying is, though, if uh, why can't the same logic be applied to the hunter gathering mentality? To Stonehenge. Oh, over in England? Yeah. What's happening there? I don't know if that's a theory about Stonehenge. Because that's a very, it's a very interesting theory. Like, yeah, that makes sense why they would do that. Yeah, right? And, uh, yeah, yeah, that the, makes the sense The whole drive me. lane and the, yeah. the kill That's totally kill cool. Area, yeah, that's very, that's very, that's very... And then the hunters kind of hide behind the stones. Here comes the animals and yeah. bam, bam, you know? Yeah. I like that. Now, interestingly, the Lake Michigan Stonehenge, the one I'm talking about, isn't the only underwater stone structure in Lake Michigan. Hmm. There's a second strange stone circle in northern Lake Michigan near Beaver Island. It consists of a group of stones circularly located around a large central stone which has unusual carvings on it, petroglyphs, petroglyphs actually. So there's a few of them underneath Lake Michigan. And now aside from the hunting field theory, many people believe that ancient stone monolithic structures like Stonehenge in Welchure, England, or the stern, stone circle under Lake Michigan, 
were used as sort of an ancient power supply. In fact, we covered this topic on Supernatural Current Studies podcast episode 34, Glacial Erratic with Jason Yancey. I'll leave a link to that episode in the show notes. This theory goes hand-in-hand with the concept of piezoelectricity, or the electric charge that accumulates in hard materials like rocks and crystals. Hmm. Some believe monolithic stone stone structures uh, could be lightning catchers with the ability to produce insane amounts of natural power when charged properly, in this case, by lightning. Monolithic stone structures may provide healing powers. They can produce acoustical energy when struck. Some even believe they are or were stargates to other worlds. Hmm. If the stones found under Lake Michigan can produce a form of forgotten energy, be it piezoelectric, lightning-induced, acoustical, or a combination of these, are they still producing? And if so... Is that what's causing ships and planes to crash or even disappear? Or weirder still, does a Lake Michigan Stonehenge Stargate open up and swallow ships and planes and people? And if you think that's crazy, it's fact that ancient monolithic stone structures are also the sites of strange UFO activity. Before you carry on more, um, I'm yeah. curious, are there more of uh, these kind of structures like generally known by native people from thousands of years ago to, um, to you know, on land? Do we have any of these on land? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yes. All over the place? Like, All ideally? over the place. All right. U.S. So that Jason Yancey, back in episode 34, yeah. that's what he does. He researches these monolithic okay. structures. He focuses on the northeast region where we were on our podcast trip okay. when we met him. So and there's tons of them out there, yeah. And they're scattered all over the U.S. They're scattered all over the globe, hmm. and they're strikingly similar in position, in type of stone being used. It's insane. I like that. Okay, continue. And what about the alien thing? You yeah. Well, which brings us to aliens over or UFOs over Lake Michigan. Yeah. And this epi- this this section is going to be kind of short because there's just literally too much. to to cover okay. as far as UF, UFO activity over Lake Michigan. I thought it was big. We just don't have enough time. That'd be too little, but I guess no. too much. Okay. So let's just put it like this. Uh, Lake Michigan has a rich history of being a center of UFO activity. And if you Google UFO over Lake Michigan, the results are endless. Really? Yes. But I did do a search. Since April 1, 2015 to today, April 29, 2018, there have been over 200 reporting sightings of UFOs over or around Lake Michigan. Hmm. UFOs come in all shapes and sizes, circular, disc shape, cigar shape, star shaped, rectangular, triangle, mm-hmm. and even chevron shaped. Chevron. Hmm. And the sightings last for seconds up to hours. Really? 200 cases. All over Michigan. Since April 1, 2015. All huh. Above or around the shores of Lake Michigan. Is there any correlation to, um, I assume a lot of them have to be night because you can see them at night better? Daytime, nighttime. Night, daytime too, okay. Yep, there's video, broad daylight of these crazy, like I said, all shapes and sizes. Are you posing the theory that these um, stone structures may be portals that was in and out, kind of like their runway, so to speak? (sighs) Their international airport? (laughs) I don't believe so. Okay. 
but there are tons of people who do believe so. What do you think? That these ancient stone structures are stargates that right. at one time were I mean, Stargate. Talking about CERN from last episode, right? Finding wormholes and Stargates. Have you seen Stargate? I've never seen Stargate. Well, um, to put it simply, and not that I've seen a lot of it, but I've seen the movie when it came out. Um, They have a very similar runway theme to the like this the starting point, the machine, the computer thing. If I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mistaken details here, and then it's like a little runway, and then it turns into that big circle thing, the oval, where you go through. To the other world, kind of like exactly what I described. Ooh, the like same the, image, the just same layout. Oh. And uh, obviously, Stargate is a television show; it's science fiction, and they probably—I won't be surprised if they got it from this. But I'm just very curious how they're very similar, and uh, they're separated by thousands of years. So yes, yeah. they're saying that these stories are saying that UFO activity is attracted to these type of monolithic stone stone structures for whatever reason. Yeah. Don't know. Hmm. It's curious. You know, I've been thinking of the, you know, we've been talking a lot about this kind of thing. After CERN especially, I've been thinking about CERN a lot more. Oh, and, last episode? Yeah, yeah, like since then, I mean. And uh, I had this theory that, um, I don't know how true it is, but this makes me think about it now again, um, how people, our ancestors, and I mean ancestors with a capital A, like the people who made these stone structures and the people before them too. Um, I wonder whatever contact they may have had with aliens or alien life forms or people from not this reality. I'm curious if they made like a certain deal with them, some sort of deal where they got to do something for them if they did something for them for the future. And all these are little markers for them now. Hmm. Think about that. I'm like, oh, can that work? What a, what a thought, right? Because we're suckers for like you know um, anthropology. If we can, if we can do it, I mean, we're suckers for it. We can preserve a lot. We want to preserve a lot of things, especially disasters. But but we also preserve stuff like this, Stonehenge, for example. There's the pyramids, a lot of things like that. And I mean, what's you know, it feels like what's not to say that like, these things will survive because we're like keeping some sort of deal that like, we don't. We're, we're thinking we're doing it for anthropological reasons, but. We're doing it because if we didn't do it, uh, bad shit would happen or like we're mm. not keeping our end of the deal when people were supposed to. That is our that is our our cosmic yield sign, you know, for aliens. Whoa. Um, or something like that. That'd be kind of cool. I was thinking about this today. I don't know. Interesting. I don't know. And this reminds me of that because it's like another marker, you know. It's like one other right, marker. Right, exactly. On top of many, many other kinds of markers. Of, um, and they're everywhere. They're everywhere, yeah. And there's so many similarities. Yeah. Yeah. Or like different ones represent different species of aliens, right? That could be a different thing too. Um, oh, like a business card. Kind of like a bit, yeah. Huh. Like, I love it. Only y- you arrive here, you guys arrive over there, you know, that's that's your parking spot. Ah. Right? Something like that? Good analogy. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Hmm. We, we don't know. We really don't know. A lot of theories. Uh, the The hunting field theory makes sense. Yeah, because um, uh, indigenous people still do that today. The Alaska pipeline was actually reshaped uh, to not mess with the migration of certain animals along the pipeline path because they would not cross the pipeline. So they actually had to restructure and reshape the pipeline to not mess with how these animals and move. In the these area. animals would not cross. The they pipeline. wouldn't cross it. So it's another drive lane. 
the Alaska mm. Pipeline was acting as a drive lane. Unintended, but it was. So they had to restructure and rebuild it, reroute it. Interesting mm. stuff. I hate the fact that we have any pipeline there. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I know we never get to see it. It's in Alaska. It's in little, literally in the middle of nowhere. It's hard to get to. But have you ever seen pictures of that place? I have, yeah. It's pretty beautiful. It is beautiful. Yeah. And you got this big pipe running right through it. I know. It looks so tacky. Tacky. Yeah. What I really liked about researching this particular part of the show, um, I didn't know about the acoustical energy that's produced from a lot of these megalithic stone structures. Like energy waves? Sound waves. Sound waves. So scientists have proved, you can look this up, listeners, that if you bang on Stonehenge over in England Mm -hmm. with certain type of um, stone, stone, other stone-like tools, Mm -hmm. they produce different sounds, like gongs or bells. Do they become like one of those uh, signature things? You know what they call them? The thing? Uh, There's a name for them, like a tuning fork. Kind of. Kind of. And, And science has also proven that sound waves could boil water. It could levitate things. Like they say, the Coral Castle. Uh, Lead Scanlon's Coral Castle over down in South Florida, where he moved these massive, massive, multiple-ton pieces of coral stone. This guy moved them by himself using acoustical energy to levitate these pieces into place. Yes. Like vibrationally, is that what you mean? Yes. Done like the through, way you can put a pebble sound. on a speaker? Kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. Or look what they do. You brought this up quite a few episodes ago where we were torture or someone was torturing another people. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. It's 3.30 in the morning and I've been drinking. But diplomats were being tortured with sound With oh, the sound thing, yeah, in Cuba, right? right? Cu- that's what it was, Cuba. Yeah. With sound. Yeah. So... Were these ancient stone megalithic structures used for some sort of sound energy to accomplish some task? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. And we have one right here. We have one right here. Watch. We find out, like, after thousands of years from now, when we find out the real truth behind all this Stonehengery stuff. Stonehengery. I love yeah, it. Whatever. It's a new adjective. Right. Um, we're going to find out that Stonehenge is actually, like, the the least important of all these markers. We just hyped it up so much. I'm like, what? Are you, stone, what? That place? Yeah. Dude, that's like in the middle of nowhere. That's for people who get lost. You got to look at over here. <laughs> right, right. right. Um, um, or this this idea of piezoelectricity, electricity that's stored in these hard materials like stone and crystal. I mean, it's very – like I, I wanna, I'm one of those believers. I mean, I'm not the hardcorest of the, that kind of movement, uh, the hippie-esque movement of – you know, crystals, like my like, Lexi, it's kind of more the crystal stuff. I get right, that. Right. And we had that whole episode about crystals, which is very cool. Yes. Um, I'm not exactly into that 100%, but I know I am a firm believer of the energies that rocks and crystals and minerals can hold in its raw or even cut form, um, either to this day or if it's harnessed correctly or if it doesn't, you know, if it's kept well. Like for all I know, whatever this the stone composition or this tuning fork aspect now that, that I didn't know about that about Stonehenge and those kind of markers, uh, I, I can totally believe there's still like residual energies. Right, like exactly. I can totally see that in a heartbeat. Well, it was really interesting uh, when I met Jason Yancey, the subject of episode 34 that I mentioned. I'll leave the link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. When we when we met him up in Massachusetts when we took our Massachusetts podcast trip, the Bridgewater Triangle stuff. Yeah. 
I, I and I don't remember what type of rocks he had. He had it on him on his on his person. And he told me, put one rock, and we we interviewed him briefly um, at a picnic bench, right, a wooden picnic bench. He said, take this piece of rock, and you can go back and listen to the episode. It'll tell you exactly what kind of rock we had. But he said, take this rock, put it on the bench, right, put it on the table. Take this other rock, same type of rock. They were, they were tiny pieces, like little chips. He said, hold the other one in your thumb and pointer finger and just slowly pass the rock you're holding over the rock that's sitting on the table. Just slowly pass it and watch for the heartbeat. And I'm like, what are you, this is nuts. What are you talking about? So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll humor the guy. So as we're talking, I'm just kind of nonchalantly passing this rock over the other, and then I felt it. Hmm. Dun, dun. And I was like, what the fuck? And I kept it, dun, dun, and it did it again. It had a pulse. It reacted. They reacted to one another. Hand to God, swear to God. The heartbeat, what he called the heartbeat. I yeah. felt it. There was an energy there. Like the heartbeat of a rock? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're talking about, this piezoelectric, uh, this piezoelectricity. Yeah, I mean, it's like saying, I mean, a piece of rock is like saying, well, if it's just a piece of rock, Earth is just a piece of rock, nature is not alive. Is that what you're saying? Of course. It, make, it makes sense. I mean, that's, that's crazy. I wish I was there. but Yeah. Yeah, but that's uh, – and that's what that's made me want to cool. interview him for his yeah, own yeah. episode. Yeah, and, definitely. And he just went and he just blew my mind with stuff he was talking about. But the rocks, they had a they had a heartbeat. It was nuts. There was energy there. Yeah. So Well, finally, there are a few creatures that supposedly inhabit the depths of Lake Michigan. In the eighteen hundreds, Chicago newspapers caused a, a panic when they reported on a supposed 50-foot serpent-like creature spotted swimming in the lake. It was dark blue in color and had a grayish-white underbelly. Hmm. Some said it even emitted a roar, like a, like a charging bull. Now, Native Americans have been talking about the Lake Michigan Sea Serpent uh, going back for thousands of years. And here's where it ties into the Rosabelle. Remember I said at the top of the, show, yes. kind of in the beginning of the show? Pocket the Rosabelle for yes. now? Oh, I lost it. So some people... <laughs> pick up the Rosabelle. Some people believe that the Rosabelle, the ship that was found capsized and rammed but no crew, uh, some believe she ran afoul of the serpent. And that's what ran into the ship, causing it to capsize, causing the damage, and that's what dispatched her crew. What, how big are they saying this thing is? 50 foot. Heavy. A 50 foot sea serpent in Lake Michigan. Hmm. And the Native Americans talked about it for thousands of years. Yeah, that's know. possible. I mean, it's uh, it's uh, it's harder for me to believe, as uh, biologically speaking, whatever I know about that, that to happen in an, in a lake, even a big ass five lake c- connection, because I can see it in the ocean. Because you can like the deeper you go, the bigger these things are, the more right things more like hidey that. holes, more places right. to like, disappear to. Genetically yeah. speaking, right? Things, the, the, the way things evolve, you see creatures down there. Or you read about them in books. They look like Dr. Seuss monsters, nightmares. And they're real, though. You're right. And that's insane. But it's hard to imagine it. The little harder in the lake. But it's conceivable. That's crazy. But, yeah, I guess it is. I'm, I'm surprised we don't see it. But you're right. I guess I can see it. Yeah. And, and if you guys look at the episode cover that I created for the website and YouTube for this episode, mm-hmm. there's a newspaper clipping that I included in the cover photo for this episode that talks about um, the head of the... Mo- and this was newspaper reporting mm-hmm. from back then. 
uh, reporting that the head and a, the, uh, a piece of the middle section of this creature or one of these creatures, uh, insinuating that there were multiple, mm-hmm. actually washed up on shore. And they found it. Really? Yeah. Well, where'd it go? Good. I don't know. I don't know. Lost to the annals of time. Hmm. Now, in more recent times... It's in someone's garage, right? <laughs> right. It's stuffed on someone's wall above yeah. their fireplace. Right. Uh, in more recent times, on Friday, December 22nd, 2017, a man named Carl Hastings was walking near the shore of Lake Michigan in Milwaukee when he spotted a large dorsal fin protruding from the icy waters, and he managed to catch it on video. There'll be a link to this video in the show notes from the actual news station that reported on this. Wow. Um, some people claim the mysterious creature was a large shark, which, of course, should not exist in the frigid, fresh waters yeah, of the, Lake the Michigan, ocean. Yeah, right? they're all salt water. water right? yeah. I remember seeing this story on the news. I remember it like it really? was yesterday. Oh, yeah, it was. Only, uh, it was pretty much yesterday, right? Yeah. Um, so this was widely reported. It was all over the news, Did in the newspapers. Nation? I don't know if it went nation, national world, but I remember seeing it yeah. yeah, here in Chicago. Yeah. People said it could have been a sturgeon. A sturgeon? sturgeon are, are in Lake Michigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know big, what they are. They grow large. They get big. Yeah, I guess. This yeah. thing was big that was caught on video. How long is the fence purportedly supposed to be? Oh, I didn't get the measurements, but if you look up... A picture of a full-grown or an extra-large sturgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more bony-looking on the back, and has a single dorsal fin right before its tail. Okay. The thing on the news looked smooth, like a shark or a dolphin, and had two very clear, very visible dorsal fins: one in the middle of its back, and one near its tail, and then the tail. Or so it so, wasn't a sturgeon. There's so no way. If we're, so to me, it was a fucking shark. So like, in Lake Michigan. So you're saying like a like a creature in December that somehow adapted to fresh water, like a shark, swam in. Unrelating, f- unrelating to the sea serpent thing. You're talking. Un- yeah, this is unrelated to the sea serpent. Huh. It, I mean, it was not a sturgeon. It, it's clearly not a sturgeon. No, I'm with you on that. I'm with you. On that. Um, to me, it was a shark. Hmm. It looked just like a shark. Crazy. That is pretty cool. That's. Is there another one? I'm done, man. That's those, all my those, research. Those okay. That is the Lake Michigan Triangle. That is so cool. Ghost ships, UFOs, sea creatures, uh, underwater Stonehenge, Eastland disaster. You know, a lot of this stuff sometimes seemingly happens when it's cold. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's when we know. That's when a lot of those storms kick up on the lake. And those massive uh, waves come in, and the squalls happen, and they see water tornadoes. What do they call them? Water funnels out on Lake Michigan, where yeah. water is actually going up into the sky. I'm trying to see if, because hmm, I want to see one. Either a ghost, I want to see one too. Ghost ship or a sea creature, or all of the above. It's, they seem to right. It makes sense. They come out in turmoil and torrents and stuff like that. Any way for us to do that? No, we can't. I mean, it's too. We literally came and see two feet in front of us. That happens. You mean underwater? No, not under. But I mean, like if we were in the area, but if it was like a, a storm, a thunderstorm, probably won't be able to see much. 
We could certainly try. Yeah, I want to try that. I think the Eastland that you suggested, I think that would be a good podcast Eastland's trip. a great first one for sure because yeah. it's so close and it's much more reachable. Maybe we could charter a boat. Charter a boat. Yeah, I'm sure there's got to be get something. Get out there. There's got to be something. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would love that. So what would you think of the topic? I liked it. It's a lot more than I thought there would be there. But uh, it makes sense, you know. Um, it's, I mean, the real saddest one is the one that, you know, the, the Eastland one. That's the yeah, really Eastland's, one. that's a bad story, man. That's a, just a shit story, man. Um, but it's it's uh, it's fascinating how much history there is beyond the confines of this country's age. Like, a lot of this stuff comes way before that. Well, like the the natives living in Michigan, eleven thousand BC. What? Yeah, it's nuts. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, there's this. Uh, I read this one. Uh, I don't know how if it was a theory or if it was real, like a fact. I don't know, but there's one history thing where uh, people like you wonder, like, how do the people get from one point of the world to another? Like, if humans spawned ideally, right, from Africa, right, in that area, and they branched off from there, makes sense. But there's a stopping point. How you can't get to United States, what we call today United States. You can't get to South America. How are you going to get there? Well, because back then, a long, long, long time ago, through the Asian side, um, a lot of that was frozen. You can literally walk from Asia Pacifica area, whatever, to Alaska, and, and then same thing from down south. Jeez. That's why there's a little bit of uh, Asian and Japanese or whatever you want to call them a heritage. Or lineage in the blood of a lot of like Brazilians and shit because a long, long time ago you could walk it. That's nuts. Because that's how cold. yeah, and they'll find artifacts that don't yeah. belong. Yeah, so it's like I mean the lands were separated, but people could get across somehow uh, back then even, and they, they probably thought it was just like frozen land, not knowing it was just ice. Well, wasn't there even a time when all the continents were connected? Yeah, yeah, long Pangea, Pangea, Pangea. Pangea yeah. but um, I don't. The, the, as far as prevailing theories about that, there was no humans like that around mm. back then. And Pangea times, I mean, I mean, we probably would love to say we did, we did exist back then, but I don't think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know because, sure. like, because once we separate, because the thing is, the problem with that is that, well, you could say, like, what if whatever creatures we evolved from or came from were in all of Pangea? So obviously, when they separated, we would still be in everywhere, but we don't evolve the same if we're separated. We would evolve differently, yeah, but we're right. all the same, yeah, so it doesn't, work, doesn't really quite work that way. Yeah, good point. So as caveman times, as uh, the Homo sapiens, sorry, as Homo sapiens uh, emerged and started being smarter and traveling, we must have found a way to tra- travel here. Man. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. fun to think about. But anyway, my point is, is that uh, it's 12,000, that's nothing. But yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Considering the big picture, that's dropping the bucket. Yes. So, good stuff? Yes, I love it. I love All it. right. Yeah, a lot more out of it than I thought it would. Anything else you would say? No, I mean, just, uh, you know, don't go out there. Don't go out <laughs> there. Stop traveling on Lake Michigan. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Go to Lake Erie. I just think it's cool we got something like this in our right in our backyard. It's kind of neat. Yeah. Kind of neat. Yeah, I go, I've, got, I've been there so many times. Never knew. No. Well, uh, cool. we will have a new... Cool outro yes we're gonna have a new outro listeners let us know what you think i made it myself too the new music oh <laughs> let us know what you think of the new music contact at chicago ghost podcast.com oscar take us home
So this episode will be the, the start of the new intro and outro. Mm-hmm. So I'll make mention of that as well. Mm-hmm. So you heard it. Lexi heard it. So I'll put the old one in? <laughs> just just, to fuck just it cut in. it into the new one. Yeah, just, yeah. It's just like... Just blend the two. Blend, oh, yeah. Joe would lose his mind. Yeah. How's your Manhattan? What? How's your Manhattan? It's, uh, it's you know, it's Upper East Sidey. Upper East Sidey. <laughs> moving on up, moving on up to the East Side. Moving on up, finally got that piece of the pie. We just serenaded you, Lexi. We, just, we did that. Hey. I, I need... You don't need anything but me. Then why are you talking and to this guy if you, you shouldn't need anything but me? And he needs a lot of nudes from his listeners. No, he it's does not. It's interaction with the listeners. Very it's... hypocritical. She's talking to a guy. but she doesn't... I'm yeah, not what's talking his name? Ned? to him anymore. Ned. <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> Fucking Ned? Ben. Ben. Yeah. Ben is Ned backwards now. Bro. Yeah. Bro. I Bruh. literally just said, I'm not talking to him. Talia said that after I saw After I saw her do it, yeah. She I said, haven't done it since, like, a while. <laughs> like what an hour. Talia what? Talia called me bruh the other day. No, she didn't. I told her I was going to knock her through the fucking wall. <laughs> if she ever talks to me like that again. <laughs> I can just imagine it. I wish I was there. I wish I was there. That's, a, that's, uh, that's something I want to see. Ugh. I did my homework, brah. <laughs> Get like, some milk and cookies, brah. Give me some motherfucking milk and cookies. Yeah. Give me some motherfucking milk and cookies. Yeah. So I think it's like she wanted to go out front. She's like, come on, brah. And I said, what <laughs> the fuck did you just say to me? She goes, what? <laughs> so if I ever hear you talk like that again, yeah. I'm going to knock you through a wall. <laughs> And she knows I'm crazy. I'll do it too. Yeah. Bruh. Like the Fuck Fast and the Furious people. Yeah. Yeah. Bra. yeah, well, I don't care. Lexi, do you say f- that's flame? That's flame? What the fuck is flame? You don't see flame? Like everyone says it's flame? No. Oh. Are you saying you're I hipper? see the fire sign emoji everywhere. That's what it means. Oh. That that shit's flame. Yo. But what does that mean? Didn't like waka. Flocka? Fozzie Bear, what the fuck? Waka Flocka, right? What the fuck are you doing? Waka the, the rapper. <laughs> you having a. An <laughs> an <episode>? Aneurysm? <laughs> yeah, you having a. Waka Waka Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> you look like a fucking maniac. <laughs> Didn't he come up with that or something? The, fl- um, the flame? The, the, the Flocka Flame or whatever his name is? Dude, I don't know. Lexi knows. No, I don't. <laughs> Do I look her age? No. no. <laughs> I don't know anything about the Flocka Waka. Look it up on your phone that you're always on while I'm we're podcasting. I'm playing a game. Right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, some guy. <laughs> I'm not playing with him. I'm playing by myself. Stop saying that. You're going to attract females to your email. To my email? Yeah. Oh, they don't have my email. Are you on the mic, Lexi? I believe so. Oh. Yeah, she is. I can hear her. Are these outtakes right now? They have been for 12 minutes. Oscar's they will the be wizard. The wizard of outtakes. females don't need to hear this. Neither does Ned. Who the fuck is Ned? It's Ben. Fuck. Ned and Ben. Uh, what? No, what? No, what? What happened? We're talking about how great your hair looks right now. No, you aren't. And great how hair. rose-like your feet smell. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, Jake can attest. Um, I witnessed a very strange ritual. What? The, your feet smelling ritual. <laughs> no, it's not a ritual. I don't do that very often. Very awkward. No, it was a strange question for me, too. 
Yeah, I don't get that. But you, you you went with it. Oh, I go with it a lot of things. A lot of things don't bother me. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> what does that mean? Wait, wait. <laughs> what? What? That sounds like a negative thing. Nope. No, not at all. Oh, well, not but at what all. did you mean by a, that? I think you're a fucking Jedi. That's what <laughs> I think. <laughs> what is, is that? What you meant by that comment? Because I was like, I know. <laughs> Episode fifty. Like when someone says, like, you know, I can be an asshole. So I know. <laughs> yeah, lion. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. So, what well, you, could I eat my Manhattan cherry? Yes, quick? please. Okay. Why you? You have them too. I gave them too. Oh, I know. I saw them in there. I, I can't wait to do them. I love you, babe. Yeah, I feel it. I love you too. That's, see, that's nice. That's nice. You should feel it. Yeah, I do. Do you? Yeah. Are you so sure? much is spreading it somewhere else too. What? <laughs> so I was on Facebook today because you know I'm always working. On Facebook? Angle. Yeah, with the podcast. And oh, oh, okay. I'm like, for your job? No, no, no. Okay. Where's my feet? I always work Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And uh, I invite anybody to the podcast Facebook page. I don't even look. I just invite, 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 invite. Like, I'm usually in the potty. Invite, invite, invite. Because you got yeah. nothing else better to do. Invite, 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 invite. <laughs> so I'm doing some work, actually, for this episode. And this girl pops on my message. <laughs> and she's obvious, she's like... Just stunningly beautiful, right? Oh, so it's like a fake pic? Obviously. Right. Just clearly, right? She's like, hey. So I was in, I was in the bathroom doing this, right? <laughs> I had the laptop. Dick sitting, hanging out. Sitting on top of the, the laundry hamper, you know, yeah. and doing work. So I'm like, well, fuck, I got nothing better to do. No one's home. I'm like, hey. Yeah. And then she starts speaking in, like, broken English, right? Okay. Yeah. Like, how were you? Wow. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like you look purchase wife. I are fine, <laughs> you know, and yeah. uh, going back and forth, and it, it was just so obviously a scam. Yeah, like she's like, well, what do you do for a living? I'm like I'm a Chicago cop. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, she's like how is it being a cop? I'm like it's kind of boring. And she's like, uh, I want to move to Chicago. I'm like, oh, that's great. She's like, will you help me move to Chicago? I said, no. <laughs> Uh, and she's going on and on about how she's you got... You sure say you work for ICE. Two kids. <laughs> <laughs> she's got two kids, and she's a single mother, and just giving me this big, sad story. And I never like, enjoy the English. Very, yeah, language, exactly. Right? And she's like, oh, do you have a pick? I'm like, no, I don't have a pick. Mm-hmm. So it's a work laptop. Because I'm a cop, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a work laptop. Right. I'm like, no, I don't have a pick. She's like, oh, okay. Next thing you know, boom, her pick pops up. And it's like in this sultry lingerie and her tits are ready to pop out and yeah 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 and i'm like oh she's like what do you think i'm like oh very nice and that's it i just kept leaving these one little N- one note answers. little answers you know and uh, eventually she just stopped talking to me she <laughs> <laughs> wasn't getting anywhere yeah 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 but what are these people who are they like well obviously in- that was like a dude sitting behind a pc and right, trying to scam yeah money Right. I don't think it's really women doing it, right? It's got to right. be. No, and if it is, like. It's so creepy. Do you do it's... stuff like that? Hell, no. no. Guys don't. We don't fall for that shit. No, guys, no, I'm just going to say, some guys do it. Some guys don't know that. Yeah. And there's a new scam every day, man. Every day there's something new. Yeah, they always twist it just enough, you. or they try to make it look like it's a real email just enough. If they have information. Like, you know how many, you know how many emails I have that are from Katie, your wife? And your wife's last name. I was almost said her last name. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. Uh, you know how many emails I get with her on the subject line? Like she sent, like as if she's sending me a message. I fell for it. She got hacked. I don't. Did she get hacked? I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I just get them 
with that. It also has Luke's name sometimes. No shit. Sometimes yours, but mainly Katie. Really? Mainly Katie. Obviously, it's not her because I open one, and it's not like it's not like as soon as I open the virus, it's like I open them and there's like a link, and there's like something they're selling or something. Yeah, complete but bullshit. I delete them right away, but this thing, the first two times I fell for it, like, I looked it up. I didn't That's like. Insane. I didn't go in. I'm saying I opened the email. That's what I mean. Not, but you didn't and click on. No, one. I didn't click on. Yeah. Shit. And then uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's weird. So I get a bunch of stuff that are from people I know, but it's not from them. Damn. Yeah. One time from Minister Sal. Yeah. I got an email from his account saying, it was like, hey, dude, uh, I had to go to, I had to go to Europe on an emergency, and sorry I didn't tell you, but it was family, and I had to go, and it, you know, the, the email came in at like. Two o'clock in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. When you'd never check, you'd get it when you first wake up, right? Right. So it's like, hey, I had to leave overnight. There was an emergency. I lost my wallet, or he lost his wallet. He got robbed or something, and he's like, "I need your help, man." And at first, because you know, I felt like I got it exactly the time they expected you to get it. When you first wake up, you're checking your email. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really with it. I'm like, "What the fuck is going? What?" Mm-hmm. But then I started reading it, and it. It kind of sounded like him, but then there were other words or phrases or the way the sentences were structured. I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. And the whole thing is, I'm in trouble. I'm your friend. It was an emergency. Please right. send me money. Wow. And yeah, it was so creepy. That's man. very elaborate. And then my cousin, he was just in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and somebody got his phone number, mm-hmm. called him while he was in New Orleans, and said that his kids were kidnapped. Oh, shit. And that if you don't pay the money, uh-huh. they're going to kill his kids. Oh, man. And he immediately called home. His wife answered. Where's yeah, the know, kids? Yeah. The two, right? And like, oh, they're work and school or whatever they were. Like, yeah. They're fine? So like, yeah, why? He's like, oh, I just got this call and they're asking me to send mu- ransom. It was yeah, yeah. ransom. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. Dude, if I got a call like that, I would, I would lose my mind. Yeah. Well, just don't pay right away is my point. Right. Yeah, somehow they got his number while he was sitting around a bar or something, and they yeah. called him and said... I mean, there's many ways. I mean, there, I'm sure there are devices just pick up numbers, right? Right. See a guy with a wedding ring? All right, 50-50, he's got kids or not, let's make a call. Yeah, probably. But creepy shit. Creepy also, shit. Also, like, if he has his number... Like, if you have a phone number from someone and they don't have their privacy settings set well on Facebook, and you have your number on Facebook, you can find out through Facebook your name, and then from your name, a cursory glance, you can see how many kids you have, and from see how many kids you got. You can see uh, all this shit. And you can attest, you can attain a lot of information to manipulate a situation if you want. Or sit next to somebody at a bar, buy right. a drink, strike up a conversation. Right. What's your name, dude? Where are you from? Yeah. Oh, okay, we got... Okay, oh, my name, God, I had this weirdo. His John Smith from Chicago. Jump on Facebook. Right. Yeah. Look up John Smith from Chicago. Oh, he's got kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wow, yeah. Shit. 2000, 2001, something like that. Yeah, wow. But yeah, she got stoned. She got taken. That's so, not Could happen to the best of us. When you first said she got taken, I'm like, she got kidnapped? You didn't tell me the story? <laughs> That's my first These story. are kind of things you want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, what the fuck? I thought, 15 years, bitch. <laughs> like, Come on, bro. Why aren't you telling me, bro? Oh, where's Talia? I wanted to say and it bra again. is just B-R-H, too, just so you know. Yeah. It's B-R-H, bro. We know that it's one. Like a, it's or more, B-U- okay, wait, B-U- B-R-U-H, too. Bruh. Oh, with an H, too. So yeah. you're B-R-U. I say with an A. I go bra? traditional, bro. Oh, bruh. Look, look at you. I like bro. I like bruh. Bruh? What about bruh. the bro? Too ethnic. Man's ear. The man's ear. Yeah, man's ear. 
Festivus oh. for the rest of us. Yeah. I got six Facebook notifications. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if one of them's from Ned. Ned. <laughs> okay, his name is Ben. She wants to make sure that you know his name. Yeah. So Same. I can look him up and Ned is such him. a weird name. Ooh, I have a message. Who's the message from? I have 14 Do notifications. Do we gain so many, like, Instagram followers? Do we? Yeah. I should follow you guys. We're doing pretty good. I don't follow anything. Yeah, why don't you... I'm really bad on social media, Ben. You think I wouldn't be? Because, I mean, I'm at the ripe age where that kind of thing was coming up and people were all in it. But I never I never gave a shit to keep it up day by day. I don't know how people... People live on the internet. I don't want to live on the internet. Well, I do it for the podcast. No, I know you, you do. Know? I know. I know. I'm not saying I don't know its value. I'm just saying I don't have it in my habit bones. Like it's not a habit. Habit bones. Yeah, it's a it's a hyphenated word. Yes. All right. Let's get the countdown going. How do you think I should enter having a brand new intro song? Uh, close the mic. Have, should I be like, yeah, that's our new intro? Or, yeah, I fucking love that new intro. Or should I be like, yeah, we got a new intro? Or should I be like, what do you guys think of that new intro? Um, How would you do it? <laughs> new intro, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> nice, babe. <laughs> like that? <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. I was going to say totally just, just be a normal show, but then I was like, well, let's go with it. Yeah, because it's, like it's like this kind of fast-paced, kind of heavy, scary kind of intro, and it's brand new on this episode. So how would you... I just told you how. <laughs> what? You can hear someone? Oh, I thought she opened the door. Oh. <laughs> I thought she was asleep. We got to get her back on. Uh, no, she had a ton of homework to do. We gotta get Katie back on? Yeah. Yeah. It's been so long. It's been a while. It's been a minute. New intro, bitches! Yeah. A little, little more, little more ringside boxer announcer. <coughs> New intro, bitches! <laughs> I just wanna make yourself cough. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally worth <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's so easy to like get you to be so self conscious. <laughs> I'm glad you noticed that, and I'm glad you exploit that. That's great. <laughs> well, I do it about little things. Like I won't do it in front of a funeral or something. Like <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> like when you're doing the eulogy, like you a public speaking. <laughs> you saw. Boo! You saw. Like heckle you. Oscar's a funeral. Yeah. <laughs> Oscar's my wedding. What are you doing? It's my wedding. These are vows. Yeah. Um. Oh God! Now I don't know. Like, or or do I just? Yeah. Do I just come in normal? Dude, I mean, try try normal first, and then we could we can do this again. No, I don't want to make it difficult for you. Um. Do <laughs> it, bitches. I can do it for you. You could just come in right after I say it. You think? If you want. All right. Yeah. All right. Let's do do it. it. Do it. All right. Five. <laughs> four. <laughs> I'm going to fucking lose it. I'm Three. Two. One.